All right, so we're recording now. Um, so I want to, first of all, thank my guest that's gonna be on uh, in a few, few seconds. I'm gonna introduce him, but I just wanted to uh, give the listeners and the viewers um, a quick rundown of why it's taking so long for my last podcast. So for me, I'm really um, intentional about having motivational and inspirational individuals on my podcast. So it's taken me a long time to be able to get quality individuals on. Um, so for today, um, I'm starting my new podcast with the name Officially Unfazed with a, an individual that I have um, from afar been watching him for a long time. We went to Cal together, played football for a quick year. Um, and then from there, just kind of watched him blossom into uh, a pro bowl running back, successful entrepreneur, dad, um, and just inspirational black figure. Um, and so with all that said, I want to welcome you, Justin Forsett, to being on the, the Officially Unfazed podcast this morning. Man, I, I appreciate it, man. I'm honored to to be on the show. And, uh, you know, as you're uh, change the change the name of the title the the podcast be a guest man so thank you no problem um so for me i want to just give a quick rundown of why it was so important to have you justin on and the listeners and viewers um so when i have people on my podcast i try to start with the foundation of everybody should know for the most part they have a clothing line called unfazed um but for me it's more than a clothing line it's a a, a lifestyle it's a a mentality that I think everybody should have. Um, and I think that I can talk in the, till I'm blue in the face about what unfazed means. But for me, I wanna have people on that are notable figures, people who are uh, well-known to give people that may look like you um, or come from where you come from, um, the motivation and the inspiration that they can possibly get to where you're at in terms of your success and what you've been through because they look like you. It's hard for me to have someone resonate. Um, obviously, you and I are African-Americans, but I want to have people from all backgrounds on um, so that people that look like them or come from where an individual comes from, it resonates more by hearing someone's story of what it took to get to that point. A lot of times we see people who are successful um, but we don't necessarily know what the journey took to get to that point. And I think focusing on the obstacles or what it took to overcome is something that we need to focus on more in our society rather than just seeing someone get to a certain level and not know what it took. Um, so having you on, Justin, is, is super important. I'm thankful for you for being on. Um, before we got on, we know the devil was working a little bit, but we know uh, that uh, God has something bigger in store for what we're about to be talking about today. So I'm just going to give a couple of accomplishments of, of what I've done in terms of my homework of your personal uh, life. Okay. Um, and then we'll get into uh, who you are and uh, what led us up to this point. So for me, we played a cow. I did a little bit of homework. Um, I don't know if you know this, but you, you probably may know this, but you're a third time all-time leading rusher at Cal. Um, we've had a lot of great running backs that went through the Cal um, football program. Um, you're behind Muncie and behind uh, Marshawn Lynch, which everybody should know who Marshawn Lynch. I don't know if you know this, but you were 10 yards away from being in second place 
<laughs> um, all time behind Marshawn. So Marshawn only had 10 more yards than you, and you're only 148 yards away from being the all-time leading rusher at Cal. Um, so I don't know if, I don't know if that stuck if you knew that while you were playing. Um, but <laughs> that that is pretty much one game for you that would have put you as an all-time leading rusher. But I think your story of how you ended up at Cal, which we'll get to in a little bit, is uh more intriguing than, than where you fell in um, the all-time leading rusher in yards. Seventh round draft pick of Seattle Seahawks, 2014 Pro Bowl, um, average 4.7 yards um, throughout your career. Um, that's second, no, that's third, tied with third with a, a bunch of individuals, with third all-time behind Barry Sanders and Jim Brown with your, your yards per average. Uh, Barry Sanders was 5.0 yards and Jim Brown was 5.2. We know if you'd have got the ball more, you probably would be up there <laughs> in your overall uh, yards over your career. But uh, tell me if I'm wrong with this information. Nine-year career? Yep, nine-year. Nine-year career, co-founder of a multi-million dollar business. Um, your product is in all targets and Walmart. Co-host of a podcast called Founders Church, which I love the name of it. Um, I personally think that the the podcast was made for me uh I, I get into it every single time you guys interview somebody and what you guys talk about also a husband father and a coach um so those are the things that that came to mind that was important for me to stress to the listeners um and that is why I wanted you to have have you on you have a lot of things that you've done over your course of your career and you're going to continue to do things but um with all that said welcome again Justin um so I want to talk about um, first of all, where you grew up, um, and, and, and what led you into football? Yeah. Uh, one, thank you for the great introduction and not a, some of that stuff. I didn't even know, like I, I knew I was third all the time, but I didn't know how far I was away yards. from, you know, from, uh, from number two and, uh, number one. So that's pretty cool. Um, no, man, I came from very humble beginnings, a small town, 3000 people, little town called Mulberry in Florida, Central Florida. And um, yeah, not a lot of people make it out to accomplish their dreams and goals and aspirations in life. And just like a, a lot of young black kids uh, growing up, I, I use sports as like a vehicle as my way out. Like I was a way to, you know, as into wealth um, and financial freedom for my family because we came from such humble beginnings. So, um, you know, I remember those times when I had to take baths with bottled waters. I remember those times when I had to, you know, uh, do my homework by candlelight because the power, uh, couldn't pay the power bill and lights were out. And, um, you know, even being homeless, living out of a motel uh, with me and my two brothers, my my parents, um, you know, living out of a motel at the edge of town. So it, all those moments kind of really pushed me to want to be more and do more for my family and promise myself that I wasn't going to allow my kids to deal with the same things that I dealt with. Uh, growing up and just give them a better opportunity in life. Um, so that's kind of what pushed me. And now I saw a guy named Barry Sanders one day uh, running the rock uh, on Sundays with the Detroit Lions. And he was not the biggest guy on the field, but the, the most electrifying man on the field uh, whenever he plays. So I was like, man, that's that's got to be the sport for me. And I was pretty good at it. Man, so you gave me some gems already of, of why it was important to have you on. Like, I don't know if you had an opportunity with all the interviews. I know you've done some some big interviews so far, but I don't know with the interviews you've done so far that you've had the opportunity to talk about being homeless um, and doing your homework by uh, having a candlelight in order for you to see, taking those bath 
those baths with bottled water, like that is what this podcast is about. Like people don't get to hear those stories that often we talk about, hey, what have you done with Hustle Clean and what stores are you in and what did you do yeah. as a football player? And I think people need to hear where you come from. Um, we don't get to hear that all the time. So that's a gem that which is confirmation why you why I wanted you on to talk about your struggle because I know it wasn't easy. I didn't know what it was. All yeah. I knew was the information that was put in front of me in terms of Google and just knowing you a little bit playing at Cal. So, man, uh, that's pretty deep. Also, once you, you started playing football, at what point did you um, transfer to come to Texas? Because I know at some point, I think yeah. you were born in Lakeland. I was born uh, in Lakeland. Yeah, yeah. Born in Lakeland, hey, grew up uh, in Mulberry. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you remember, but uh, Johnny Mack and I played. Um, and so every time yep. I hear Lakeland, Johnny Mack always comes to mind. Legend. Uh, yeah, yes, definitely a legend, um, junior college level and high school level. Yeah. Um, so for me, what I wanted to know when, when you transferred, um, from, from Florida to Texas and what was it like when you moved from Florida to Texas, uh, one in terms of how your living situation was and then two football, football wise. Yeah, so I transferred my junior high school, so I had two years left, and we picked up family, picked up and uh, moved to, to Texas, Arlington, Texas, and uh, we, we living-wise, we we got there, we were staying in like a Studio 6 hotel, motel, uh, when we got there for the first couple of weeks, and then stayed with some friends um, um, that we knew out there, um, and eventually got into an apartment where we also, when we moved, we moved, one, one of my childhood friends he moved with me and uh we went out we went out there to play and finish up our schooling for the, the last two years and uh it was different man it was because you know i'm coming from florida central florida that in the country not like you know miami or anything like that mm -hmm. and uh well, we don't have a lot of access to, to a lot of different things football sports is like everything but we moved to texas like football is everything like right yeah. it is not like it, you know the atmosphere towns closing down and and the guys are just i mean from my experience they were just a lot bigger than what we were facing like i don't know if, you know when say more talented but they're just like the size factor was uh was different in texas and you know those same things you know i was too small and too short to be in in a florida running back and even more so in texas when i landed um you know so it was like, again, odds stacked against me, um, but I was determined to be uh, the exception and not the rule and, you know, make way for myself and, um, you know, get get one step closer to my dream. And that was to, you know, get in the NFL, but I had to do well in high school, which I did. I had back-to-back -back state championships uh, those two years in, uh, uh, in Texas. I had, um, you know, some good stats, but no colleges were running to offer me any scholarships. So it was an uphill battle there. Man, so you, so you kind of gave me an alley-oop into uh, my next question. But before I get into that, um, obviously, we both played football. And I'm from California. You grew up in Florida. You played in Florida for a little bit, and you moved to Texas. There's yeah. always this, this debate about uh, which state is better and oh, yeah. um, how does how does your California, Florida, and Texas compared to each other football-wise, you cannot, uh, you cannot change my mind about what football was like or who was better uh, between California, Florida, and Texas. Um, but when I got to Texas, I understood that football was totally different than anything <laughs> yeah. I've ever seen. 
um, and living in Texas for 13 years, um, the same area where you went to high school, I was able to witness that football is almost pretty much like a religion out there. Um, yeah. if, if you don't play football, you kind of looked at like, what's wrong with you? But it is on a different level out there. I think um, you said it's not necessarily about the town. I think more than anything, it's uh, they're more prepared for the next level in terms yeah. of having the equipment, their structure, and just taking it more serious. The kids sure. start from four or five years old playing football where the, the helmets are too big for the kids and it's serious from that age on. Yep. Um, so that leads me into my next question, which you kind of led into because you had the stats and you felt probably felt like you should have gotten a lot of more scholarships. Mm -hmm. What was your mindset like? And what do you think helped you continue to believe in yourself to keep pushing um, and keep believing in yourself that you could play at the level that you ended up at um, going to Cal? Man, um, what made me keep going? Um, it's a great question because I, I always, I battle between two different answers, right? I was chasing a dream, mm -hmm. uh, no doubt that I, I wanted a better uh, life for myself and for my family, uh, but I was also running from a nightmare. So, I felt like I the what we went through at times for me personally, it just felt um, like it created a chip on my shoulder, and it felt like something like we didn't deserve to have to go through. Like nobody deserved to to have to go through certain certain things, right? I just just desire to want more for myself. So, you know, I wasn't willing to give up or cower or. Um, or to ever quit because those things were pushing me. Like mm -hmm. when I was running in, you know, a hundred degree heat and I was, you know, and I wanted to give up and I was running sprints by myself. I was thinking about room 108, which was the room, the, the room number in which we stayed in that, that motel to the edge of the town. Uh, we didn't have a house. And uh, I started thinking about, I would think about those uh, homework or book reports I had to do on the candle, like, and those, Times I had to take back with those Zephyr Hill water bottles, like those things like really pushed me. So I, I just knew one that I couldn't go. Uh, I didn't want to live like that. Uh, and I want my future to look like that. But also I had just trust and faith in God. Like he was going to open up a door. If I did my part, like doors were open, like, because I just had extreme faith and belief. So mm. deep. I can feel that. Um, I, I know it's not always easy, but I think that if things are meant to be, it's meant to be. And I think in order for uh, you to get to where you want, um, you had to be um, intentional, which is my, the slogan for uh, Unfazed. You have to really think about what it is that you want and, and what it's gonna take to get to that point. And I think um, we always do things that we wanna do that can help us in the long run, but it, it takes that consistent effort and putting in the work um, to prepare you so when that time comes, you get the opportunity that's presented, presented to you um, and you take advantage of it, which you did. Talk to me about um, when you were recruiting or lack of recruiting coming out of high school um, and the situations that, ha that happened to you, um, specifically with Notre Dame. All mm -hmm. I remember um, at Cal was when you got there, there was something that happened with Notre Dame um, and last minute you ended up coming to Cal and walk me through 
what your thoughts were when you got to Cal after everything was said and done. Yeah, no, I, I was offered a scholarship uh, to Notre Dame after my All-Star game, my senior year. Um, and uh, essentially, long story short, that a uh, week before signing day, they told me they didn't need me anymore. So I had to start. I wasn't highly recruited, and I already had, like, I had an offer at UConn earlier in which they reneged on the offer, and they took theirs back, and then I had an offer in Notre Dame, and then they took it back. Uh, a week before signing day so i was crushed like a 17 year old mm -hmm. kid i remember going out into my basement where i lived at a time um in my room and just crying my eyes out because i'm like god like what's going on like i'm doing everything that i'm supposed to do and like i my 17 year old mind couldn't wrap my head around like how are these things keep how, how do these, these like negative things or these hurdles keep popping up on me right out of mm -hmm. nowhere like especially this close to signing day didn't know what i was going to do and i remember and uh, during that time, it was a pivot point for me in my life because uh, I remember going to that basement, crying my eyes out and praying because that was the only thing I knew how to do, like, right? Mm -hmm. um, I said, I've been faith driven for a very long time. And I remember on my knees as I was crying in that basement, I said, God, I pleaded and I was like frustrated and upset. And I said, God, you got to show me something. Like, I can't keep doing and putting in the work and not seeing any of the results or seeing my mm -hmm. friends benefit from things from the work that they're putting in, but I'm not receiving it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I literally opened up my Bible at the time and I just flipped it open. I said, God, you got to show me something. Like, And it, it landed, like no kidding, on like Proverbs 3. And I started reading Proverbs 3. And as soon as I got into the beginning of that the, that chapter, it was saying like, trust in the Lord God uh, with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll direct your path. And as I was reading that text and that passage, I could feel like a warm sensation like coming over my body like it was feeling like it felt like i don't know uh, a peace that surpassed like all understanding it was like a warmth that like god was signaling to me and i felt like that was a first in real true encounter with just like his presence that it just comforted me during that time it was like okay i'm gonna be all right i didn't know nothing in my situation had changed right i was still without scholarship within that you know <laughs> during that time but internally, there was something that happened that God gave me a, a, a comfort and just a, a acknowledgement, like things are going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I can't explain it, right? It sounds weird to, you know, to, to voice that sometimes, but uh, it was in that moment where I was just like, man, I just have to excel at what I can control. Like, let's God, let God be God and do what he does. And right. if it's, he sees, sees fit to open up a door for me in, you know, college, which I believed he would. That, then so be it. But I knew my future was in his hands and, and, and they're in good hands, if that's the case. So I just kept working. And then um, a few months down the road, uh, where we were still sending out tapes and uh, highlights to the West Coast teams and conferences, uh, Cal uh, got back to us and, uh, you know, had a, we started kicking off conversation. And was that after signing day? Way after that was May, so okay. I, didn't, I mean, I didn't hear from Cal until okay. when it's spring. Spring is like May, I want to say. Mm -hmm. So there's months like in between, like people yeah. are just telling me, Justin is maybe going to junior college or mm -hmm. gray shirt somewhere. Abilene Christian told me I could walk on. Like I was mm -hmm. like, all these other schools is like, just like, uh, like come on, our South Carolina State. I was a, before I signed, a lot of people don't know. They, th they talk about Notre Dame, but I was going to go if, if Cal didn't offer me uh, the scholarship when I, when I got there. Um, then I was going to go to South Carolina State, mm -hmm. uh, which is a historical black college um, right. down in South Carolina. But yeah. Okay. Man, so it, 
we kind of have similar situations, which I'm not going to get into my situation in terms of how I ended up at Cal, but that's pretty heartbreaking um, to be a 17-year-old, to, to be expecting that you're going to get a scholarship to a pretty big, uh, excuse me, a pretty big program like Notre Dame. Notre Dame is one of the top uh, football schools of yeah. all time. Um, and to know a week before signing day, they take back that scholarship is something that uh, could really crush an individual. And I think a lot of kids today have issues with having that mindset to where if something doesn't go wrong, that's when they start to crumble and they, they, they get anxiety and they get depression and they, they wanna do the extreme. Um, but I think having your faith and being strong-minded led you to keep pushing and just understand that there was a bigger purpose and that um, God does things for certain reasons. And I think uh, looking back at it uh, from my personal perspective, I think Cal ended up being the way that you should have went. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. It was like yeah. Notre Dame, let's keep it real. Notre Dame has a lot more talent that comes there in terms of four and five star players. You don't know if you would ever got an opportunity, but you ended up going to Cal and you took advantage of the opportunity that was presented to you, even though we had some great backs there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's awesome that you didn't quit. You just, you, you, you prayed and, and things worked out the way that they were supposed to be. Um, so once you get to Cal, um, tell me if I'm wrong. You, first game, you made an impact uh, immediately as a true freshman. Uh, Air Force, I think Air it was Air Force. Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you scored a touchdown. Uh, did you the, score a touchdown? Uh, the first game, I believe I did. Yeah. And I was, I scored a number one. Okay. Um, um, it was a rushing touchdown. Yep. So just doing the homework, as I said, I, I saw on there that you, you scored a touchdown, which is a pretty big feat in itself. Like you cannot score a touchdown the rest of the year. And to go from what you went through of not getting recruited, coming to Cal, pretty much last minute, not redshirting. Usually when you don't redshirt, that means that you have talent. They see something in you, see something in you, and they want you to play and get some experience in some way, shape, or form. So to do that, and then not only that, you ended up playing and got a touchdown is a big feat in itself. Um, but just talk to me from your your time at Cal. I saw that you had 49 total yards as a, a true freshman. Yeah, your yeah. sophomore year, you had 999 yards, yeah. which is an extreme jump. <laughs> your junior year you had 626 yards so you go back a little bit I don't know what happened we're gonna get into that and then your final uh season you had 1546 yards so talk to me about um your your time at Cal as a running back playing behind or with uh J.J. Arrington who had 2,000 yards yeah. and Marshawn Lynch who everybody should know who that is I'm not gonna get into that in detail um but just talk to me of how you started out as a true freshman, going out through your senior year, ended up with 1,546 yards. But in between that time, it didn't uh, statistically look like you were going to have that trajectory that you had from your sophomore year. Uh, but somehow you came back in the end and your senior year ended up getting um, a, a lot of yards that helped you get drafted. Yeah, no, uh, for me, um, uh, it was all about making room, man. I didn't care who, um, was in the room with me as far as like running back and who I was competing against. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, I, I remember even to this day, my feeling 
on that sideline at the Air Force game when uh, uh, when I'm getting ready to go into the game, and I'm upset, mm-hmm. right? I'm I'm boiling over there on the side because you know I'm thinking I'm gonna play. Like I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, I'm like I'll have some real t- carries, like. You know, my mindset was to come in and have a true impact, like, you know, yeah. in that game. I was even looking at Teffer looking at me crazy because Coach Teffer at the time and Coach Gould asked mm-hmm. me what's wrong. Like, I expected to be out there on the field. Like, not, and I was playing special teams, but I yeah. wanted to get carries on the field. Yeah. So I felt like I did enough in camp to do, to, to make that. And, you know, JJ Arrington, who's a dope walker candidate, and, you know, Marshawn Lynch is the number two running back, I believe, that came out our year behind Adrian mm-hmm. Peterson. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just believe that I belong, right? And uh, right. so just settling into my role finally and, uh, you know, and just like letting things come to me and learning as I continue to progress, like how looking at the competition around me and say, okay, what can from their game can I take to my and add it to my game? Like not wasting time worrying or doubting or uh, being frustrated or disappointed at, at, at my playing time so trying to make the most of it so hey making that big leap from you know 40 yards that you said my freshman year to senior to sophomore year 999 and then that next year well then we changed coordinators uh that year um and then i mean i was playing with marshawn so he was getting the bulk of the the right. carries uh especially that was his last year when he left early uh, and then I was the starting running back my senior year. So that was that jump on like, okay, I got mm-hmm. more time, more opportunities. So uh, production was up um, and I was one step closer to my dream, but it was a beautiful experience at Cal, met my wife there, um, mm-hmm. you know, made some lifelong friends and brothers uh, on campus. And uh, yeah, it was just me finding my way and finding like um, at least how to view competition. Cal taught me how to view competition, not only just mm-hmm. in, you know, on the sports sports side of things, but in life, you know, mm-hmm. you just can't allow uh, opposition or even competition to cause you like to sulk. Like right. it does nothing. Like you got to find ways when you're competing against another person or another brand. To, like how can you use their momentum for your good? Like how right. can you use their that their their gifts and add it to your game? So that's that's kind of how I looked at it. And that, that it taught me a lot there. Just going up with a lot of good great backs and athletes. Cool. So I like to call that being unfazed, but uh, <laughs> yes, sir, it was unfazed for sure. Uh, you definitely had an unfazed mindset. So I, I love your story, just because I know what it took and where what you had to go through to get to Cal one, and then when you got to Cal, it, you came in with some some beasts in terms of the running back room, as we just talked about. But you still came out on top, one thousand five hundred forty six yards is a lot of yards. I don't care if you plan. Uh, flag football. That's a lot of yards. Yeah. And to do that in, I think it was the Pac-10 back then. Yeah, it was. Um, okay. So it, it was that, that in itself shows that there was talent that you were playing against. Um, so you get drafted seventh round Seattle Seahawks, and then you get cut several times. Yeah. The, you got cut by the Seattle Seahawks. And then I think Indianapolis signed you. And then you went back to Seattle yep. that same year. Was Marshawn there the year that you got drafted? No, no, he was in Buffalo. Okay. Um, so just talk to me in general um, about being cut several times and then ended up becoming a pro Bowl running back. What 
is your mindset going from city to city? Uh, I'm not sure if your wife was traveling with you or how that works. Talk to me um, about what was going on at that time in your mind. Man, um, it was just, uh, for me, it was difficult and challenging, I would say, because you know, you're bouncing around and you're not never in a spot too long. Now, I ended up being with Seattle four years and Baltimore for three. Uh, throughout the course of my career, but I was, you know, some other teams I bounced around with, and I, I was cut, you know, fired six times throughout my career. Mm -hmm. So it, it was a lot. But for, for me, going around, my mindset was like every year I was going to be a Pro Bowl running back, like mm -hmm. before it even happened, before right. I, I, before it actually came to fruition in year year seven, right? I uh, My mindset was the, the worst thing that a coach could do was give me an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I was going to be the most prepared. I was going to be smart. I was going to be accountable, trustworthy. I was going to make people better around me. I may not be the fastest. I may not be the strongest or the biggest, you know, but what I, what I can do, nobody else is going to be able to do better. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was my mindset. And each locker room gave me new opportunities, um, um, new uh, relationships to kind of grow as a man and as a player. So I was just taking every opportunity and trying to make maximize it as much as I could. And, you know, finally, you know, seven years down the road, you know, I get a chance to be thrust into the lineup and start and, you know, uh, be the franchise guy. And, you know, that was it was a blessing to answer to a lot of prayers. Because well, I'm, I'm living through you right now. When you when you mm -hmm. finally get the opportunity to start for the Baltimore Ravens and you kill it and you get to go to the Pro Bowl, uh, how do you, how do you get notified? Do you get a call? Do you get uh, they, like a coach tells you? How do you get notified that you made it to the Pro Bowl? Yeah, uh, it was it's a call, right? We knew we had a good shot, you know, just because I was number five rushing in the, in the league, mm -hmm. uh, so it's taking six guys. But I was up against guys, you know, it was like the top six guys were already like perennial Pro Bowl running back. So I was up there against the LaShawn McCoys, Adrian Petersons, the Arian Fosters at the time that were just like, you get their their names alone, get them in. So, but yeah, I got that call um, that I was going to be in. And uh, man, it was, because that was one of the things as a kid, I watched the Pro Bowl, people going to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And I never felt like throughout my career up until that point that I was really had true validation from my peers mm -hmm. and from, you know, uh, the league that I was in, and that was that was special, man. I even talking about it, even even from the college that we just talked about, and some of the stats, and uh, you know, me coming from high school, not supposed to be there in right. college, and then in, into the pros and going to the Pro Bowl after not supposed to be there by you know uh, traditional standards. Uh, it just just shows me just how that's like faithful, like God is, like in this in, in my life. Like you have this one notion of how things are going to play out, but. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't change it. So like whatever, right. like, you know, happens in life now, I can always go back and say, man, like all of this is for my good. Like I can use everything, this for my advantage. Everything prepared you for that moment. Like all the stuff that right. you've been through, I think it made, it made it that much more gratifying to know what you went through to get, to end up to get to that point. That's what people yeah. don't understand or people don't get a chance to hear too often. Um, which is why it's so important to have you on and talk about that story because it's somebody that's going to be listening um, that's going to hear your story that came from where you came from or it looks like what you look like or the same height as you that you're going to give them that opportunity to say you know what I just heard the same story from somebody that comes from where I, where I come from or looks like me 
that gives me that that extra push that it is possible. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I love about I, your story. I could I could go back to uh, as I'm thinking about it now during that season because I was like on a trajectory like middle of the season knowing like okay things are really clicking here and I got an opportunity and I'm you know. At one point in the season, I was like, I think as high as like number two rusher in, in, mm-hmm. in the NFL and uh, or even leading rusher at times. And uh, I can remember in a, a Charlotte, uh, the, the Carolina Panther game, I was a home game in Baltimore. And I'm almost about I'm almost breaking down on the sideline, like crying. The game was going on. We went in. It was a big like Steve Mitchell was my teammate. So it was a big mm-hmm. game for him. And yeah. I'm doing well as uh, in the game, too. And uh I'm on the sideline, just like this, amazed of just like the steps in order that it took for are you, me. Are you are you playing it back in your mind? Everything that, that went to went to your your whole life to get to that point. Why you every, in the game? Everything in the game, like it just hit me as I'm looking mm-hmm. up. I'm on the side. I'm looking up at the scoreboard. And I'm looking up at the fans and um, you know people cheering for me. And I think maybe I just I just scored a touchdown. I just scored a touchdown. I was thinking like in the south end zone, and um, and it's just like man, it's so much sweeter, like I than I could ever imagine, like to mm-hmm. be in that moment and be in had the opportunity. So you know, I just say that to encourage people, like you know, I always say that everybody wants a breakthrough, but nobody wants to be broken. Mm-hmm. But it's in those series of brokenness that prepare us for our opportunity to shine when it comes. So just got to take advantage of it and seize it. Preach, preach. Um, I like to say there's no there's no testimony without a test. Yeah. Um, and, and you've been tested many times. Um, so I know yeah. we're, we're, we're strapped for time and I want to respect your time. So I'm going to kind of cut some of the yeah. questions that I had out. But I do want to talk about your your company, Hustle Clean, mm-hmm. and your your Shark Tank disappointment. Yep. Um, because I literally watch Shark Tank every Friday. I saw y'all on there. I was hyped to see y'all on there, but I think um, things happened the way that they were supposed to be. So can you just talk to me real quickly what it was like um, and how you guys bounced back from what happened on Shark Tank? Yeah, I mean, after sharing all of my story now, you and all the listeners can can see that I'm no stranger to rejection right. or setback. So uh, that part was no different, man. And right. I mean, that was very disappointing. Like that, that was a good word to use, a description to use uh, for how I felt during that time. Maybe the most disappointing I felt like in my adulthood, uh, leaving that, like before it even aired, like before, after taping, just knowing right what we had just encountered but it was the best thing that happened to us internally and even externally in the business to be on the platform to share the brand to seven million people right and then also internally to make sure that we were crossing the t's dotting the i's on everything on the side operationally and as far as the roles and things like that it just it just made us stronger and smarter as a group so i wouldn't take it back like i i want to go back and you know and my thing was like i'm gonna go back now at some point and i want to be a judge on shark tank mm-hmm. um and uh, yeah no no that's that's the that's the goal and the mindset so but it was a beautiful experience uh for us like i said both internally and externally and uh it really pushed us forward the brand and the company forward um because from there we went on to good morning america we went on to view and then we went into target uh national distribution and been in there for over you know four years now so Amazing. Amazing. So that that motivates me um, all the time that uh, you and Wale, who I've had on my podcast before, 
mm -hmm. have done some amazing things. And, and that to me pushes me as a black entrepreneur um, to go into spaces that haven't been done before and do things that you guys have done to bounce back as you guys. And for me personally, I didn't see it as a, a negative thing. Like, as you said, 7 million people are watching the show. So you're automatically going to get that, uh, that notoriety and get people knowing about your brand. And it gave you time to dot your, your I's and cross your T's. As you mentioned, obviously that wasn't a result that you wanted, but I think it made you guys stronger in the end, because at the end of the day, who, who really wants to give away that much equity? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, in order to help your brand grow, you guys did a good enough job, and you have a, an excellent product that I back with Hustle Clean. It was called Shower Pill then, but called mm -hmm. Hustle Clean. Um, and you guys have done amazing things with it. And I, and I watch your journey, and I watch your podcast, and it literally motivates me to see two uh, African American males killing it um, in an industry that is not seen. Um, by people who look like us. Yo, um, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. That's humbling. I, I love it. Um, so I do. I have more, but I know we're coming down to the wire. So I had two yeah. questions I want to ask, but I'm going to ask you one of them. Um, so this is kind of a quick hitting question. I'm going to give you two options. And I want you to, to pick the, the one that you feel best represents um, out of the two. So, so all that you've been through with um, your football career with losing potential scholarships with Notre Dame, UConn, um, being drafted, cut so many times, then making a Pro Bowl, um, and then starting a, a multi-million dollar business from the bottom. Which one would you say are you're most proud of? Hmm. Your career from living in Florida going to Texas and then having the yards and, and the respect that you should have had coming out of college to get the, the scholarships and then going to Cal last minute, getting drafted, cut, Pro Bowl, and, or being yeah. a multi-million dollar uh, business, starting something from the ground up. Man, I'm, I'm proud of it all for sure. Um, I would say the business side of it because, you know, it's, I feel, you know, my personal opinion is that it's harder uh, yeah. than what I was doing in the past. Mm -hmm. And um, even though it's like 1% only make it to the NFL, you know, mm -hmm. it's only even over the years in existence of the of, of the National Football League that, that there's still only, you know, so many people that can call, call themselves, you know, alumni of the, the NFL, right? So mm -hmm. I, I respect that. But on entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship is so difficult in the fact that in football, when you get to a certain level, I mean, if you're willing to put in the time and the work, like you can last, right? You can pretty have a really good career once you get to a certain level. Mm -hmm. uh, but in entrepreneurship, like you can work extremely hard and see no fruit from it. Mm -hmm. You have to be working hard at the right things to bear fruit. Right. You got to be smart. Um, so there's a lot of variables too within that place. So I would say the entrepreneur journey, man, as I'm still on it, um, I'm, I'm extremely proud, um, to, 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 to share with my kids and, mm -hmm. um, uh, and others that like you can have success outside of, you know, sports and, you know, running right. a football or playing basketball or what have you. So I'm really, I'm really proud about that. That's, that's the, the answer that I expected. I think um, both are amazing and the odds are stacked against you. But um, I think being an African-American doing the things you and Wale are doing, 
are groundbreaking. Like we've, we've seen running back, black running backs in the NFL. We've seen yeah. uh, people your size play in the league, but we haven't seen people that look like you and Wale in the spaces that you're in and doing the things that you're doing uh, right now. So um, I think that to me is what I feel like I'm the most proud of witnessing um, of all the things you've done so far. All right. Last question. Now that, now that we talked about your journey, um, it's quite evident that you've been unfazed. You didn't quit when adversity came your way. Um, and we know that in order to be successful, you can't quit. You got to just keep pushing. You got to find a way um, and, and things will happen if it's meant to be. With all the, the NFL players that you played with, um, who, would, who comes to mind as two players you would say have have been the most unfazed to you based on what you've been, uh, been able to witness um, in their playing career or just stories that they've told um, that we wouldn't know about? Like players that are not known or like why? Uh, that known, I would say known because I want the listeners to know uh, if, if possible, those, those names. Sure. Uh, Pierre Garcon comes to mind as a receiver um from a division three school out of ohio was an undrafted free agent and just like you know incredible story um haitian american um you know just adversity obstacles stacked along uh, uh from from south florida along the way and uh you know made a path for himself and you know is doing extremely well um another another guy would be uh i would say uh, even from the washington organization again would be uh alfred morris um okay. who was a guy from florida as well uh undersized back just like myself went to florida atlantic um university um just a fighter right uh even if he had success there was always some reason the critics would come up and why he wasn't uh a a, a good running back right. or a good player um but he always fought it he, he fought it until he had like you know uh, i want to say 10 11 12 year career so mm -hmm. uh, those guys at least when i think about it those those guys come right to mind that i played with that had amazing stories and they're doing amazing outside of the game of football too okay all right that's kind of my alley-oop. I'm gonna uh, try to reach out to them because I mean, I want I want people to know uh, stories like that that we probably typically don't get to to hear. All right, didn't get everything that I wanted to get in, but I got enough uh, to prove my point that you um, have gone through some amazing things to get to where you are. Um, how can people support you? Where can they find you? Um, including your 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 business. Um, I don't know if you want people to follow you on your personal page and your uh, podcast. For sure. Uh, my personal at J4 set on all social media platforms. You can follow there, support. Uh, anytime you're supporting the brand, you're supporting me. So at Hustle Clean everywhere. If you can go to Target, pick up some product, order it online. You can uh, from Target or Hustle Clean. Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. All the distribution channels. Um, and then our podcast, uh, Founders Church, is something I'm really proud of. It's really therapeutic for Love me it. and Wale as we give back uh, and, you know, interview these entrepreneurs that are really doing some great things within the space. 
and uh, you know, just giving them their flowers and being able to encourage other entrepreneurs that want to go on this journey that they can have success too, and give them some advice and you know, some actionable tips. So love it, man. I know for me, I get excited when y'all drop um, your podcast every single time. Um, Steve Smith was my my favorite so far. Just oh, there we go. Didn't know about um, his struggles academically growing up, um, but just you could tell with him. Anyway, he, he's always been a fighter, uh, just odds stacked against him, too, in terms of his height and uh, people not knowing um, where he comes from. And so I love everything that you guys are doing. With all that Thank said, you, I definitely appreciate your time, man. I know um, your time is money. Um, you didn't have to do this, but I appreciate you doing this. Without a doubt, your story is inspiring. It's motivating. Um, and with all that said, I want to give you your flowers, give you your stamp approval, and end this podcast by saying, Justin Forsett, you are officially unfazed, my boy. Man, I appreciate you, man. I love what you're doing and what you're building over there, J-Mac. Anytime I can support, I got you. Appreciate it, man. Thank you.